All right, if you would please, everybody, if you'd open in the Bible to Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 to 6, which you'll find in the Pew Bible on page 812, uh, in the bulletin on page 8, and I bet you even have it on your phone if you want to follow along on your phone. Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 to 6. It would be helpful if you'd follow along. Uh, If you would, please stand. Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 to 6. Jesus says, Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye but do not notice the log that is in your own eye. Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. The word of the Lord. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the chance to be together this morning. We thank you so much for the love you've placed between us in Christ. We pray now, Father, you'd send your Holy Spirit upon us, the same Spirit that moved Matthew to record these words, that that same sovereign Spirit would pry open our ears and our hearts And give us grace, Father, that we might hear your word, believe it, obey it, and rejoice in it. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. If you look on pages 8 and 9, you'll actually see the sermon text in three different versions, including the Greek translation. Um, And on page 9, there's space for some notes. Uh, You'll also notice uh, a sermon title, uh, Freedom from Judgmentalism. I often choose the title during the last week before I preach, even though we try to set the series up months in advance, uh, I often come up with a title uh, because it only becomes really clear to me as I prepare what seems to be the the ultimate message of a passage, and that title should reflect it. So I'm always causing frustration to James, who tries very hard to keep all this stuff online, and uh, I'll send you an outline, brother. Don't worry. I have one. I do have one. Uh, it's freedom from judgmentalism. Judgmentalism is something we all know about. We all know what it looks like. Uh, we all know what it sounds like. And some of us, in fact, probably quite a few of us, know what judgmentalism feels like. Uh, we might even know how it feels like on both sides of the equation, both as those who feel judged, and those who occasionally realize, hey, I'm being very judgmental. Uh, judgmentalism is something we all know about. What is judgmentalism? I guess you could say that's my first point. What is judgmentalism? But I first want to talk about what judgmentalism is not. It's very important to get clear. Judgmentalism is not simply making judgments. Uh, life is full of judgments, decisions that we have to make. Uh, Jesus here, very specifically, is not commanding his disciples to become what D.A. Carson, a great Bible commentator, calls, quote, amorphous, undiscerning blobs who never under any circumstance whatsoever 
hold any opinions about right or wrong, unquote. Jesus is not telling us to be amorphous blobs who don't have opinions about right and wrong. You might have heard someone say that Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 is actually telling us to be those who don't have opinions about right and wrong. I, I've had someone say that to me fairly recently. That uh, uh, this verse is saying uh, that we can never have any sense of discerning judgment at all. In fact, I would say Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 in our day has become probably the most famous and uh, no doubt the most misunderstood verse in the Bible. I mean, uh, I hear it all the time. Um, often it's used to do away with the idea of moral right and moral wrong, that, that, uh, the, uh, that people can't express what they believe to be true about those issues. But you know, that stands in very sharp contrast to what Jesus says over in Matthew chapter 5. Just flip over a couple of pages to Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 to 19, where the same preacher, Jesus, says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Verse 19, Therefore, Whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Uh, Jesus is making it very clear that there is truth, there is right, there is wrong. And we're not doing anyone a favor by backing away from what God has told us. God's commandments, what God teaches us, are forever. Now, Jesus helps us to better understand within the context of His kingdom how we do that, but He does not give us any authorization whatsoever to back away from the truth. In fact, one of the ways we're salt and light in chapter 5, verse 13, is we hold up the truth. We proclaim the truth. So judgmentalism is not doing away with the truth. It's not doing away with the loving commandments that God has spoken to us in His sovereign Word. That um, Doing that is not judgmentalism, no matter what the world might want to tell us. So what is judgmentalism? Well, let's be very, very clear. Judgmentalism is a sin. Very plain, look at chapter 7, verses, the first few verses. Verse 1, judge not that you be not judged. Judge not. These are words of command. Uh, the same Jesus that says you shouldn't kill or left in your heart says you must not judge. Judge not that you be not judged. That kind of judging, which Jesus is describing here, is a sin. Now, uh, part of what's going on here is we're dealing with translating from Greek into English. And this idea of judging carries in it the idea of a verdict. Uh, in fact, uh, that's where we get the word criminal 
is from the Greek word for judgment. Um, it's a, it's a, 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 a form of judgment that has within it a verdict on a situation or on a person. Um, and if you read chapter 7, verse 1 in Greek, and actually, if you want to, you'll see it on page 8, uh, what it actually says is, uh, judge not that you be not judged, verse 2, for with the judgment you judge, you will be judged. That verdict element, that is what is going on here. Uh, J.C. Ryle, one of my one of my favorite uh, Bible commentators and Anglican bishop from a couple of hundred years ago now, said, "What our Lord means to condemn is a fault-finding spirit, a readiness to blame others for trifling offenses or matters of indifference, a habit of passing rash and hasty judgment, a disposition." to magnify the errors and infirmities of our neighbors and make the worst of them. It's, it's taking every matter of discernment and making it a verdict. That's what Jesus is condemning. That is what He is telling us is a sin. Jerry Bridges, another commentator I, I love, wrote a book recently called Respectable Sins, and he gives a whole chapter to the sin of judgmentalism. He says, the sin of judgmentalism is one of the most subtle of our respectable sins because it is often practiced under the guise of being zealous for what is right. Isn't that interesting? It's practiced under the guise of being zealous for what is right. Isn't that exactly what the Pharisees did? Under the guise of being committed to the law, they were hateful, vengeful, mean-spirited, judgmental people. Bridges points out that it can be seen today in everything from theology to conduct to lifestyle and politics. We turn everything into a verdict. If I disagree with you, you are, you are canceled. I, I have no place for you if we disagree. And the thing is, we all fall into that. I mean, we shut the door, we slam the door on whole groups of people because we disagree with them. Well, you know what? If Jesus had done that to us, where would we be? Brothers and sisters, judgmentalism is a sin, and I'll, I'll just add, it's a very serious sin. I'll tell you why it's so serious. Because the second point, judgmentalism actually prevents us from caring for one another and for others. Judgmentalism prevents us from doing what Jesus tells us to do. Look at chapter 7. Verse 5, Jesus says, You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. See what Jesus is saying? Our, our preoccupation with how we disagree with someone else and our fixation on that means we're actually not able to assess what actually needs to be done to help. 
I mean, Jesus has described it. Uh, verse 3, Why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but you don't notice the log in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? He's certainly saying, how can you do that morally? He's also saying, how can you do it and be faithful? How can you see clearly how to help someone else with whatever their issue may be if we have this big log of judgmentalism that makes it impossible for us to see clearly how to help? Judgmentalism prevents us from doing that. Um, I have enjoyed more than I can tell you Will's uh, Bible study on the book of Job. I think everybody in the class will agree. It's been a very, very interesting discussion. And one of the things that I keep being struck by uh, is how much I see myself in Bildad, Zophar, and Eliphaz. <laughs> Uh, as far as we can tell, they're well-intended. But because of their fixation on their system, their understanding, they, they have this, well, we've been calling it various things, uh, transactional or, or a slot machine way of looking at life that you put in a good deed, you, you get a good reward immediately in this life. And, and uh, we have this framework they did very often we do whether we think about it realize it or not job is there to remind us they were all like bildad eliphaz and so forth they say more than anybody else in the whole book because we need to be reminded it's interesting when you read through what they say so often what they say sounds right but god reminds them and us how it can sound right and be very wrong. Well, Bildad, Zophar, and Eliphaz, in their judgmentalism towards Job, whose situation they clearly do not understand because God tells us so, because of the log in their own eyes, they were not actually able to say anything helpful to their grieving, hurting friends. We do that all the time. The, the big, giant beam, the, the word here is, is uh, sometimes it's translated uh, timber. Or, it, it means the big supporting joists, which in Jesus' day would have been made of wood, these big supporting joists. Jesus is saying, you've got one of those sticking out of your eye, and you're trying to help someone else with their issues. You can't do it. So, what does Jesus do? He gives us freedom from judgmentalism. And He does it in three different ways. He first says, look up. Then He says, look in. And finally, He says, then look at. Alright? Look up, look in, look at. Look up. Jesus says, verse 2, with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Does that remind you of something we looked at in chapter 6? If you flip back to chapter 6, to verse 11 and 12. Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread. Verse 12, and forgive us our debts 
as we also have forgiven our debtors. There's a connection between how we deal with other people's issues, their debt to us or their trespasses, uh, some translations render it. There's a connection between that and how God deals with us. Look at verse 14. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. There's a connection between what Jesus is saying about judging others and how we are in fact judged by God. I think these are meant to be very sobering words just to think about how my judgmentalism towards other people, my refusing to, to forgive other people, what an awful thought, what a horrifying thought to think that I might receive that from our Father in Heaven. I mean, I think they're meant to be very sobering words. I don't think they're meant to be threatening words. I don't think God's ever going to be like that. God's not like that. Because, you know, the number one thing about looking up in the Sermon on the Mount, in the Gospel, in the New Testament, is that when we look up at the God whom we meet in Jesus, who is the enfleshment of God's holy sovereign word, he's the enfleshment of, of God's own life, what do we see? Well, there's been a great book written about it called uh, Gentle and Lowly. What, what we actually find is a God gentle and lowly. What we actually find, as Jesus himself teaches us over and over again in this sermon, is that the, the concept that, that most expresses what God is like is Father. The perfect Father. The loving Father. That's the Father that we see in Christ. That's the, the God that Jesus tells us about. Here in the sermon and all through the Gospels. All through the New Testament. And there are hints at it in the Old Testament as well. There are hints at this relationship which in Christ becomes real for us in a way that gives us no excuse. Now, Jesus says in situations where we're tempted to give a verdict on someone, to remember to look up at the God who deals with us, the Father, the Father whom we see in Christ. Uh, Jesus gives us here in this Gospel and elsewhere Glimpses of how Jesus deals with situations that involve judgment. One of my favorites is in the passage, Tim Keller mentions this in an article he did on this passage. He says, when Jesus looked at the city of Jerusalem, and he knew at the time that this was a city that was going to rise up and crush him. But he looks at Jerusalem, and he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, if only you knew the things that pertain to your peace, but now they are hid from your eyes. I would like to take you under my wings the way a mother hen takes her chicks under her wings. It's amazing 
Hiller, Keller said, even though he is preaching judgment, there's compassion. Where does that compassion come from? It comes from Jesus reflecting the fatherlikeness of God. It's, it's why Francis Schaeffer said you can't really preach judgment without tears in your eyes. The compassion of Christ. If we look up and, and we see God as He is in Christ, it washes away the temptation to make verdicts on people, shut the doors on them, slam the doors on them. So look up. That's where it begins. First, look up. And then secondly, look in. Uh, Jesus says, he says, why do you see the speck that's in your, own, in your brother's eye? But don't even notice the log in your own eye. Now, we can become experts at criticizing other people and hardly even notice the glaring brokenness, sinfulness in our own hearts and lives. We ignore it. Well, Jesus says, look in. How, how can you, hypocrite, Yell at someone else and judge someone else when there's so much stuff in your own heart, in your own eye, this gaping, huge plank. Jesus says, look in first. Before you judge others, look in first. Remember God's mercy. Remember God's mercy to you, to me. I find when I'm tempted to judgmentalism, and I am very often, I'm, I just stop and remind myself how much God has done for me and how gracious and forgiving and patient God is with me. How he has been for years and years and years. And brothers and sisters, I know you know what I mean. I depend on that. I trust in that. I cling to that. I remember God's mercy to me. I look around. I see my own needs. To this day, I see my own needs. And that puts other people's needs and their failures and their shortcomings in a different light. And I think that's what Jesus is teaching us. Look in. And then he says, and only then can we actually look out and look at. That's what he says in verse 5. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. You know, that's, that's great wisdom. In fact, if, if all we do is yell at the people we disagree with, if all we do is yell at the notorious sinners, if we just yell at them, we are actually unable, blinded if you will, to actually help them. Jesus does not in any way tell us to back away from the truth. He tells us to, uh, to proclaim the truth. To truly, boldly, faithfully proclaim the truth, but to do it without casting a verdict on people. That's God's business. You and I are not in the verdict business. We need discernment, but we're not in the verdict business. Praise God, the verdict is in God's hand. He is the judge. 
He will be the one to decide. Not me, not you, not the church. We have our role to play. We do proclaim the gospel which frees from sin. All that's true, absolutely, and we proclaim it. But it must not be with an attitude of hypercriticalness, judgmentalism, a rejection of other people. Because, like I said at the beginning, we've all seen that. We all know what that looks like and sounds like, and many of us know what it feels like. To have a judgmental, cold, compassionless rejection. That is not to characterize the life of God's people. In doing my research this week, I found a wonderful article by a preacher in Richmond, Virginia named Matt Smethurst, Smethurst who uh, wrote an article called Judge People! Exclamation point. Parenthesis, like Jesus did. Close parenthesis. Yeah, there is a place for discernment. There is a place for proclaiming God's Word without any reservation. But when we do it, let's do it the way Jesus did it. With tears in our eyes, when it's called for. With hearts full of compassion, with the desire to reach out and to show Christ's love, even if it's Christ's tough love. But to have that characterize our life together here at MetroCrest. That we would be that kind of church. Because you know what? It's that kind of church that God delights in using. It's that kind of church which God will use to take the gospel across Carrollton and the Metro Crest communities uh, here in Oak Hills, Crest, uh, uh, Castle Hills. He'll use us to, to, to be his messenger. And that's how you are light. That's how we are salt by being that kind of Loving, non-judgmental community. Reflecting the love we see in our Father.